Welcome to the View in Your Mirror podcast. We are your hosts, Lisa Rubin and Katie Harms. From new moves to tried and true strategies, we'll dissect the ways in which clothing and a little organization can and does affect your daily life. Come along as we hope to inspire, engage, and shape your rituals as well as your shapewear. Hey, 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 Lisa Rubin. Hello, Katie Holmes. It is a beautiful June day. We have officially hit the start of summer. So who knows, in the future, somebody may be listening to this in the middle of December. One never knows. That's the beauty of podcasting, right? You're exactly right. And maybe I'll be re-listening because I re-listen to our podcasts a lot. I love that. You're far better than I am, Lisa. You're far better than I am. Well, it just, <laughs> it, it just gives me more ideas, right? And things that maybe I missed out on, which you know how I, how I feel about that. I don't like missing out on anything that I'm talking about. You have a case of FOMO in most things, do you? <laughs> Fear of missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on my own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we joke we joke about that in our family too. I think we we tend to. We're going to be efficient with our show and we've got Elizabeth Reese from Twin Cities Live. She also has a podcast. We're going to talk about that and she's coming up. We're going to talk about multitasking. But before we get into that, talking about efficiencies and talking about feedback, I got the greatest text message from a longtime dear friend of mine. May I read it to you? Of course you can. <laughs> she said, Hey, Katie, have a day to myself and thought about going to the mall, even though I don't like to shop just because it's been so long. Listen to your podcast instead and just spent two hours in my closet through Goodwill, organized, tried on, etc, etc. Even checked the need to dry clean as we have two weddings coming up and threw away a million hangers that were worthless. It feels great. Now I'm skipping them all to be outside where I would rather be. Great text. Yeah. You know what? She got the concept that we're going for, right? And feels good about it. So yay, my friend, I won't use your name because you didn't tell me I could, but bravo to you for your newfound freedom in your closet. And, and better energy in her closet. So much so, so much so. Katie, you have to go back and ask her the next day what she decided to put on because now she looks at her closet in a different way. I'll bet you're going to get an interesting answer. That will be fun to see. You know, this is one of my friends that uh, from the time I have known her starting in ninth grade, she has always been extremely well put together. She just has such a great style that I think is for her innate. And so it will be fun to see what, how she answers that, or if she did some different things or found some things she forgot about. I mean, who didn't through COVID, right? All of us. Yeah, that's exactly right. We were talking about organizing and it occurs to me that there are a few things that if you don't plan for them while you're building your home or doing your remodel, you are always wondering how, what the best way to store them is. One of those is your vacuum cleaner, your dust mops, your cleaning pail, your cleaning supplies. When you think about all of it, it doesn't take up much room. So if you can build in a small cabinet for all of this vertically, it doesn't take much more than maybe 18 inches by 20 inches deep. You get a lot of stuff in there and you can hang things on the, the cabinet door. You can hang your mop. You can hang your, not your mop, your what do you call that thing? The, <laughs> your the, the, broom, that thing you sweep with your broom, 
you can hang your dust mop. All of those things can be contained really nicely. And if you do it right inside that cabinet, you're going to have some outlets because you're going to have that little hand steamer thingy. <laughs> no, not your hand steamer. We're not there yet, but you're going to have your hand vacuum. Oh, your dust buster. Little, your, your little dust. dust buster, that kind of stuff. So having that all contained in that cabinet is something to think about if you're building or remodeling. You just brought up steamer. Where's your steamer? Well, my steamer is in my closet in a very accessible area. But more importantly about my steamer is that I have an electrical outlet in my closet that I can plug in the steamer and use it right there so that I don't have to exactly. take my clothes out, put hang it somewhere else and steam my clothes not in my closet. And I recommend that to everybody. And some people say, I don't want to steam my clothes. I just want to get dressed. But the fact of the matter is, is if you get used to it and you're a person that doesn't like a wrinkly mess, if you just, even you brush your teeth and you have an idea of what you're going to wear the next day, if you hang your clothes on that little pullout rod that you made me get, which I use <laughs> all the time, 24 seven, and you yeah. steam whatever you're going to wear, especially in the summer months, in the morning, when you wake up, it is perfect and ready to go. Awesome. Yes. And those, that's another thing that if you plan for it ahead of time now, admittedly, I don't know how dialed into steamers I was when we did your closet. So I'm suspecting you have a hand steamer, right? Yes. I have a hand steamer because I prefer a hand steamer. I know, of course you can buy the stand-up steamers and hang the clothes on that steamer, but I, a, I don't have the space in my closet and B, I prefer to do a hand steamer because then I can move the clothes around the way I want to. So that was yes. my choice. Yes, exactly. And I think if you do have room, I've, I've done a lot of closets where we leave the room, the space for the steamer and they're the stand-up steamers are really going to take up, you know, 12 by 12 inches. So not a lot, but the key to those, as you said, is to have the outlet close by. And then to be able to pull the steamer out and comfortably get at the clothes that you're wanting to steam. But like you say, you get up in the morning, you go in and you flip the steamer on, then you go do your morning routine and you come back and it's ready to go. It's ready to steam whatever you have there. So it's just a matter of getting in the habit of doing it. I prefer a steamer to ironing a hundred percent. I think it's so much better. And then ironing boards, where to store them, you know, making sure you have them in a place that you're going to use them. I am absolutely dead set against fold-down ironing boards. Well, good, because I don't have one because you yeah. won't let me get one. So <laughs> I don't even know how to when use it. When was the last I mean, time you used use an that. iron? Oh, I'm an ironer. I, I love ironing. That is when I'm in a really bad mood or I'm really stressed out. My family knows if I get out that ironing board, watch out. Because and where, where do you iron in the middle of the room in front of a TV? Exactly. You do not iron in the laundry room, which is Never. why I absolutely Never. hate the fold down ironing boards. Everyone thinks, Oh, fold down ironing board. That's going to be so great. Nobody wants to iron in their laundry room. I don't care how nice your laundry room is unless it's super sized with a TV. in there. Exactly. And you know, a lot of people, this has nothing to do with clothes, but a lot of people like to have their pillowcases or their sheets ironed. I am not one of those people. But some people will send their sheets, you know, to the laundry so that they don't have to do it. Some people will press their own sheets. I, I know a lot of people that do that still do. 
And then some people have, I forget what the name of it is, you know, where you send the sheet through and it irons it for you if you have the space, but I'm kind mangle. of- Mangle, is it a mangler? A mangler, Mang mangler. Mangler. But, you know, it's another- Did you say a lot of people have one of those? I don't know, one single person. I actually do know. I could tell you, I know right now in my head, at least 10 people that have one, but they've had one for a long time or their grandmother had one I, it was gonna family say it was member handed, and it was passed down. Handed was passed down. down. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. But that I do know sense. people that have gotten a, a new one because they just grew up that way. So that's crazy. We got off. I, I put a mangler, I put a mangler in with a, um, in your kitchen, a trash compactor. Oh, don't like them. I never had a trash compactor either. Had one once, did not care for it. I think we just create too much garbage, but that's for another conversation. <laughs> anyway, we are so excited to have Elizabeth Reese join us. She is, I think, a consummate do-all kind of gal. We are so excited to welcome Elizabeth Reese. She is the host of Twin Cities Live and Best to the Nest, her Labor of Love podcast. We're excited to talk about that. Thanks so much for being with us. Oh, I love this. I'm so delighted to be invited. This is wonderful. And I, I mean, I'm in like such great company of other guests that you've had on this podcast. I love all of the women that you've featured. So it's really an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. It's a little like girl talk, but I think people enjoy the information and maybe going a little bit deeper. I agree. And having a little bit more time. That's the joy of the podcast. You can sit and have a little conversation that goes a little longer than just a few minute bit. Like, how Isn't are you? I'm truth? okay. How are you? And then you walk away from each other. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, for example, I forgot to hit start on my timer. So that doesn't matter because if we go a few seconds <laughs> over or a few minutes over, if we're like into something, you know, that's, it doesn't matter. I agree. I love it. So give us a little bit of background. How did, we all know you from Twin Cities Live and that's been going for how many years? Gosh, uh, 12 years. I, yeah, we just had our 12th anniversary, maybe 13th. I don't know, guys, it's been a long time. It's really <laughs> incredible. I started on the show a year into its existence. Um, and then I've been with it. This is the longest job I've ever had by far. And, and it's, it's been a really fun ride. I'm really thankful every day for it. You know, it's still work. So there's some days that you're like, well, this is annoying, but uh, most <laughs> the vast majority of the majority of it is a real joy. We talked about transitions. That was the word we really talked about with Amelia Santinello. And certainly she's had a lot of transitions. We joked about the hair transitions over the past 25 years of her working, but really in your 12 years, borrowing that transition, a lifetime, literally of transitions, marriages, babies, what else? All the things. It's funny that Amelia was your last guest too. I think that's really great because Amelia was actually my first mentor in the TV business. And Amelia, I walked through the door of the very first TV station I ever went into ever in my life was when I was 16 at WCCO. And Amelia became my mentor when I was in high school. And I would drive from Apple Valley High School like two days a week and go and spend time with her after she had just moved from the weekends to weekday anchoring. And I was her first and last mentor student. So we joke that either that meant that I was like really great and no one could ever compare, or it was so terrible that she never wanted to do it again. 
<laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and you had an interest in this business then very early. Yeah, very young. I mean, I remember being about 13 and being like, I just had this kind of feeling. Um, and now I look back and I think a lot of my life has been guided by an intuitive gut feeling. And I think it was just that. I remember just thinking, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if I could do that when I was just watching the news and I would watch live TV. And, um, you know, I grew up, my dad was a Lutheran minister when I was growing up. So I was very familiar with like, you know, with public speaking and kind of having a message and connecting with people, all of that felt really familiar to me and at home to me. And so, yeah, when I went to, um, WCCO to meet Amelia, she was a huge influence on me. And, um, I had my mom's cousin worked in TV news and, um, she worked in different markets and I would talk to her and she set me up on the anchor desk at her station in Madison when she was working in Madison on a weekend when I went to visit and let me just like read the teleprompter. And then she helped me get an internship there later on. I think, you know, a lot of it was, I felt like it was something I wanted to do. I saw myself in the people that were doing it. And then I would really strategically seek out people who felt like they could help me. And so, um, you know, that idea of mentorship and that idea of looking to women who are doing things the way that you think you might want to do them has always been something that's really been important to me. I think that's the key to looking at the way you want to do them. And it might not be how other people see it. So your path might be different. Mm -hmm. You've stayed pretty Midwest. Yeah, I went to school at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, the great University of Wisconsin-Madison. We're not going to hold that. We're not <laughs> going to hold that against you, Elizabeth. I'm a badger through and through. There has to be some bad decisions somewhere, I guess. I don't know. If that's my flaw, I'll take it. And then um, my very first job was in Duluth. I was 21 years old and I started uh, working in Duluth at, and I was a reporter. And then within six weeks, I moved into the morning anchor role simply because I think they had an opening, but then they let me do it, which was really nice. I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and then that station was actually shut down. So it was kind of, it was an interesting thing. It was shut down and entered into a shared services agreement with another station in town. So they, as they held this big meeting, telling us what was happening, they were changing the locks on the doors outside. You could hear the drills changing the locks. And that day was my last day at that station. And um, so I was let go when I was, I think I was just about to turn 23 and I had got a severance, which I think was like the biggest check I'd ever gotten in my life. And I think it was for like $3,000. Like, I'm like, I can live off of this. This is amazing. Um, and then I moved to Green Bay, got a job there, worked there for three years before coming home to the Twin Cities to KSTP. And I started at KSTP as a morning reporter. And I was doing that for about a year and then started doing some fill-in work on Twin Cities Live. And at that time, then uh, the Hubbard families decided to add some newscasts they brought in a couple of new anchors and they kind of did like a, let's put everybody into a hat and see who we have that's best for everything. And I wanted to move to Twin Cities Live at that point. I wanted to report for them. And then I got the news that I wasn't going to get the reporter job, but they were going to move me into the host role. And I've been there ever since. That's a great story. Love it. Any doubts along the way? You talk about the fact that you didn't have an, a clue what you were doing up in the oh, loop yeah. when you started out. What kept you going through? You know, I had a lot of support. I, it was hard though. I mean, I was very broke that, I mean, that was really the toughest part. I mean, I made less money per hour at my reporting job, my first reporting job than I made selling shampoo at the mall at the Aveda store 
in college. I mean, it was like a real challenge. And, you know, at least at the Aveda store, I could just like wear all black there. I had to like, you know, I had to like buy clothes. I mean, it was a whole thing. It felt very overwhelming. I remember graduating college and all of my friends moved to like New York and LA and San Diego and Chicago and Minneapolis. And I was moving to Duluth. I mean, and God love Duluth, but I mean, it's very cold. It's very dark. And I felt like, you know, it was, it was a challenge, but I found really great people everywhere I went. You know, the times that I started having the biggest doubts were when I started to really realize that although I loved live TV and I loved television, I did not love news. I was kind of felt like I was a person who was sort of playing a reporter. And when I got to Minneapolis, you know, I got this job at Minneapolis, which was just like, I mean, it's a really great honor. Minneapolis is a big market and it's a really highly regarded market in the business. And so when I got this job, I, I remember thinking this is either going to renew my love for this. And I'm going to be like, okay, this is it. Or I'm going to figure out something else to do with my life. And I remember getting into the newsroom and looking around at all the other reporters and thinking, I don't, I'm not getting the same thing out of this that they're getting. Like when they get the story, when they, you know, kind of like bust through something or really like they get like a real high out of this and I'm not getting that. And that was a clue to me that this maybe I needed to follow a different path. I was just sitting here thinking, I actually interviewed for the Twin Cities Live host position. Look at They yeah. did a big open casting at the Mall of America. Yeah. And I thought, why not? Why I'll not? go do this. And I remember sitting there and I'm trying to think of who was asking me all sorts of questions. And it was interesting because I thought, no, 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 no. I should be asking the questions. So it was clearly they picked a phenomenal candidate and the rest is history, as they say. But I it just occurred to me that I did. that. I forgot <laughs> all about it. But I think going back to what you were saying about the doubts and all of that, bring us back to the beginning, because this is something Lisa talks to people about all the time is you're in Duluth, you're broke, you're not making any money. Yeah. And not only that, you're on the air. So I'm sure any misstep you made, you're getting comments from people because that's what they comment on. Yeah, everybody has a comment. Back then it was though, like, I mean, you had email, but kind of barely, like people weren't even really emailing you. That was, those were the real glory days. <laughs> people couldn't email you. And there was no social media. You know, they had to physically take the time to write a letter. And believe me, they did. I mean, they would certainly write a letter and waste. St I think stamps were cheaper then. So people were okay with wasting them. Now it's like, I'm not going to send a letter complaining to that lady about her hair. It's going to be 50 cents. This is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, whatever the cost of stamps is, but um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of pressure. And, you know, back then there was a lot of pressure to kind of fit into that anchor mold. I remember having conversations with agents and I, I, I had an agent for um, quite a bit of my early career and everything about it was about how you looked. I mean, it was like the number one thing that anyone was talking about. And then it was like, okay, if you can get past, if they like how you look, and you can get in and have a conversation, then you can get the job by having them think you're actually competent. But there was no question that how you looked was by far the most important thing that anyone was looking at. I mean, that was very much stressed in my early career. I, I certainly think things are changing and have changed. That's a good thing to talk about. Do you yeah. think that because it is changing, do you think that's a good thing? Because oh, I totally I, think it's a good thing. Yeah. Be, well, because, but some people are on air now 
And that's like the biggest feedback I get. Like I'll get texts and calls from people saying, oh my God, were you watching so-and-so station? Yeah. Can you believe what she's wearing? Like yeah. that's also a conversation that's going on. So mm-hmm. I think back when you started, it was, let's call it Granimals, right? You wore a suit. A colorful you, blazer. A yes, colorful blazer. <laughs> yes, I, I, I dressed many of them. Mm-hmm. But you always wore a colorful blazer, but you had some pant or a skirt or a dress on, mm-hmm. you didn't have your arms exposed, right? It was never sleeveless. Mm-hmm. And it was very important how you looked and your hair and your makeup, you had probably your makeup done. Not I've ne- never in my entire career. I was like past the glory days of having makeup artists everywhere. Really? Yeah. It's a, that's a sad thing. That's a sad loss. Some things are good about these changes. Some things are bad. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, but, but they did have people doing their hair and makeup. Yeah. In bigger markets. Yeah. In bigger markets and pretty much before me, you know, I mean, that was like Amelia would have certainly had makeup at places, but she probably hasn't had one at CCO in 20 years, 15 years. Well, it's, it's certainly a lot of learning, right? And it's one more thing you've got to add into what you do that probably isn't necessarily on the books in terms of, okay, I'm going in and I've got to do this. You're probably doing it at home or maybe you're doing it at the studio, but you're probably not on the clock. And It's just one part that's evolved for your job. What's interesting as we talk about the importance of how you look, anybody can comment on anything in the day and age we live in. in, Thank you, social media, (laughs) right? It's the good and the bad of it. What is the feeling that comes from that? And how do you insulate yourself and set yourself up so you are feeling confident in your own skin? Mm -hmm. How do you set up your day? How do you set up your week? Do you go into your closet and say, Oh, whatever, I'm just going to put something on. (laughs) I have to believe you have, there's about 12 questions I've asked in here. I realized that (laughs) which is really, really why I probably could have never made it as a reporter. But but I think you get at the gist. We are where we are. Lisa has this beautiful business consulting, and it's really more about how people feel in their own skin and their clothes and what works well together and efficiencies. So how do you set yourself up in the morning? Let's talk about that for the week, for the day. Yeah, there's, so there's a few elements to that. I mean, I think maybe to back up a little bit, you know, in terms of that evolution, the reason why I think the evolution is good in that we are seeing more diversity in terms of who we see on television is because it allows more different types of voices to be heard. I just simply don't believe that the only person who should be able to report the news is a 5'8 blonde white woman in a blazer. You know, I, so I like that increase in, diversity. And I like people being able to show their personality more with their clothes and their hair and not having to fit this anchor mold. You have to fit this mold of how you look in order to be able to do the job. That being said, I mean, it's a visual medium. So how you look is certainly important. And I think how you look impacts how you feel, you know, and a lot of that for me is like, listen, I've gone through, I've, I've gotten engaged. I actually got engaged once and broke off that engagement, got engaged again, then got married then have had three babies all in front of people on television. So my body has changed a lot. And the main thing for me is to feel like I feel comfortable in what I'm wearing. I'm not like pulling at things or tugging at things or whatever. And and there have been days because I mean, frankly, you know, like I'm almost nine months out from having a baby and I am certainly still only in about a third of my wardrobe. I mean, that's just the way things are for me. And I'm not going to put myself in 
to all this pressure to try to like get where I need to be or whatever. So that's important. I think having like a team of people and, and sort of outsourcing for help is really helpful. So like I work with the team at Ever Eve. They help me put together outfits on a regular basis. And I have a stylist there who helps me, who kind of knows like, she just knows little things, you know, like Lisa, probably that you work with on people. Like for me, I know if I'm going to wear like a cardigan or a jacket, we're not going to do a high necked tank or a t-shirt underneath. We're going to do a lower cut because that just feels and looks better to me on the air. And then I work, Amy Seaman is a stylist in town who I work with regularly too. And she helps me more with like the ideas of let's look at your entire closet. Let's look at what we're missing. Let's look at like some creative things. Hey, I've been seeing you kind of wear this that way all the time. Here's a fun idea of how you could wear it again, just to sort of refresh what I have. So those two elements are really helpful, you know, and finding people like, I don't really care that much about clothes to be perfectly honest for a person who has dress every day, I very much more care about what I'm making for dinner versus what I'm wearing that day. So I like to do things to just kind of make it easy. That's perfect that you are exactly why we're doing what we're doing. (laughs) Because you get the importance of outsourcing some of these things so that you can be more efficient with the rest of your day. Yeah. That's totally it. And recognizing, you know, where's your skill set and what are you passionate about? And frankly, you know, I'm wasting time that I could be spending doing things that I'm better at, you know, thinking of ideas for Twin Cities Live, coming up with segments, making connections, spending time talking to you instead of like, you know, trudging through trying to figure out an outfit. I would rather have someone else do that (laughs) and I'll spend the time doing, you know, the things that are really meaningful to me that, that kind of flow easier to me. And your word being multitasking, that takes one piece of it out that you don't have to worry about. Bravo. (laughs) Bravo. I love it. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about if you ever have days where you just don't feel like you can adult. (laughs) (laughs) And we want to talk about best to the nest and what really why that came about, because I feel like that too works kind of with what we're talking about being your best self, but you talk about it really as bringing that into the home, which I just love. And some of your strategies continuing on with, we now know what to do for wardrobe. Let's talk about how you keep your house organized. So we will be right back. On the Viewing Your Mirror podcast, we love sharing our personal favorites. Rustica Bakery is high on that list and we know you're going to agree. Rustica has two locations. They're original at 3224 West Lake Street in Minneapolis across from Calhoun Commons and Whole Food Market and Southdale Center next to Lifetime, where you'll enter without even going into the mall. Both have ample parking, either online or in-store. Bread, breakfast, dessert, treats, a menu sure to allow you to find a personal favorite in no time. Online ordering is a breeze and curbside pickup is an option. Available in-store only are savory menu items. Think grab and go for lunch or enjoy them there. Brunch items are offered Friday through Sunday. My personal favorite is the take and bake cookies available online or in-store. Truly a capstone for any get together and in just 15 minutes from package to plate, a memory to make. We highly suggest you always have these in your freezer. RusticaBakery.com, find the food and drink you adore or try something new. Rustica Bakery puts the love shown by their customers back into every item baked. At Rustica, you're among favorites. 
And we are back. We spent the entire time of the commercial talking about how wonderful Rustica Bakery is. Those chocolate cookies are like the best thing in the world. I can't even have those. If I have, if I buy them and have them in the car, I'm like, okay, now there's three gone. And I just got home. <laughs> you have to buy the chocolate cookies and bake them at home. You just have to. Yum. I'm in. I'm totally doing so that. That's They're all so there is to Time saving. And people will be impressed. <laughs> <laughs> and your house will smell good. I like and that. And your house will smell good. Yes. Yes. So tell me this, are there days you ever just wake up and go, I just can't, I can't adult. (laughs) There are, you know, yes, I'm pretty good in the morning. The morning is like a better time for me. So I don't really usually wake up and go, I've certainly had times, you know, when I have babies that aren't sleeping, that's a real struggle. Then I wake up and I think like, I, all I want to do is go to bed. And I think about when is the next time I can go to bed. But the night is when I'll feel overwhelmed more than in the morning. I, I think that's just sort of my nature. And do you, are you good about going to bed or do you try to get one or two more things? You know, the joke of, when the husband yeah. says, I'm going to bed and they go to bed and the yeah. wife says, I'm going to bed. And then they do six things on the way to bed. And two hours later, they're in bed. I'm always the first one to go to bed of me and my husband always like he's much more of the night owl. I'm much more of the morning person. He's not a morning person at all. And so that's, um, you know, I think can be good and bad. Cause like if things are tough at night, he has to t- kind of take over and get in there for the mornings. Um, it's me. And Yeah, there are definitely, I mean, there are definitely plenty of days that I feel overwhelmed and feel like I am failing at everything I'm trying to do. You know, it's, I think it's the mental load of motherhood is, is a heavy weight for me. And, um, and it's, I, I think there's also like some bigger picture, like resentment of why, why it's harder on women and why it seems to be harder on women than it is on men, you know, and all, and balancing all of those things. So I think I'm, I'm like, it's a daily practice to kind of reconcile those things and, and figure out, all right, what season am I in? How well am I taking care of myself? And and then what's happening? I was just going to ask what your strategies are, but something this weekend, we stopped over at both of our kids' houses that are married daughters and said happy father's day to the husbands and our middle daughter is a new mom and he just hit the six week mark and so they're working on the sleep and getting the baby to sleep and she said and tj her husband took the took the middle of the night bottle feeding yeah she's pumping but doing the bottle so he can be involved right and my husband said way to go tj and my daughter looked at him and said what do you mean way to go TJ? I am doing this all the time. time. Why don't I get the way to go? And so when you're talking about this and we are now in 2021, Mm -hmm. but I think some of those traditional things are so rooted in particularly for our generation, Mm -hmm. you know, going into our sixties, we are at a different point, you know, so he, and he, honestly, we had a conversation about it, which was a great conversation to have. What are your strategies to give yourself some time and to talk with your husband? Does your husband take some of the responsibility? You know, we do, there's a lot of negotiation. And I think, you know, this is one thing that I think um, maybe, you know, if my sister and her husband have a, have a different relationship because she's, so she's home. She's now going back to work, but she was home primarily for the first five years that they had kids. And we talk a lot about how there are just negotiations that happen in my house that don't happen in hers because 
if her role is to be home and that's what they're doing, then a lot of those kind of tasks just fall into that category of being home. What happens when you are working outside of the home in addition to parenting is that I think there becomes this extra pressure on women that not only are we doing everything outside of the home, but we're still doing a disproportionate amount of work at home. And I mean, there's study after study that confirms that. I mean, I, I can anecdotally say that. So we do a lot of negotiating and I wish we would do less negotiating because it just is exhausting and it's tiring. And I'm always trying to figure out how to not do the comparison game while at the same time advocating for myself and my happiness and also just for my daughter and my sons who see the dynamic in our house and wanting to make sure that that they do better than we've done, you know, in terms of that balance. But it's hard, you know, because it's just like it's it's working. It's home. It's I mean, I am pumping while I'm talking to you guys right now. I mean, that's what's happening in my <laughs> life. It's like <laughs> there there are days where it just feels like really overwhelming. I'm I try to get help. So I try I am fortunate to be in a position where I'm able to outsource some things. Um, so help with like housekeeping. We hired a nanny for the summer who's helping with some other errands and things like that too. And that's definitely taking a load off. Uh, but it took me a while to get to that point to be able to do it. And then you get have to do your show yeah. and you have to be a hundred percent present yes. and whatever's happened at home and whatever aggravation or things that you thought about, you get on your set and you're like, okay, I got to give it my all. Yeah. And so again, you put a different hat on and you have to do your best work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think there's, that's a double-edged sword because, you know, it can be difficult if you're in, you know, a bad mood or you've had a fight with your husband or whatever, or you're feeling not great. It can be hard to kind of like overcome that. But at the same time, there's never a time where I feel more present than when I'm doing live television. I don't think about anything else when I'm on the air. I don't think about what's going on. I don't worry about things. I just am focused on that moment. And I think I think that's helped me a lot in my career. That ability to do that, I think helps me be successful at it. And it's also a great teaching moment then for the rest of my life that if I can be that present there, you know, where else could I be that present? And it's, it's really is, I mean, the hour and a half of the show is a lot of times it's, I mean, it's the most fun part of my day. I mean, and I love spending time with my kids and all those things, but being able to just have that gift of connecting with people and being paid to be yourself is, is pretty incredible. And you do it well. Thanks. Some days better than others, you know, but Hey, yeah. I always say uh, someday will be my last show. And I just hope that day is not today. <laughs> <laughs> we do too. We do too. So, uh, which, you know, I had written down humor. I think that's part of what gets you through a lot of things too, yes, right. Yes. It's just having that ability to laugh at yourself and to look at things as not being for a long term. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Little short bursts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Understanding that things are a season. I mean, it's a season that we're in and um, you know, this is, I, I have to remind myself a lot, even particularly like with my relationship with my husband, we have a six-year-old, a three-year-old and a nine month and an eight month old. I mean, I don't think you can really get more in the thick of it than where we are, unless you had like five more kids in that time. And, you know, you're just, we're in the thick of it. And so reminding myself that this is a season that they are 
so dependent on me now and they will be dependent on me in different ways going forward, but not in so many physical ways as they are right now. And so just kind of, that's the sort of reminder, not like savor every tiny moment because it goes so fast. I mean, I get that, but also, but being a little bit bigger picture in terms of looking at it as a season. Talk a little bit about your show and how, you know, being, being paid to be yourself and being your best, always having to look past if there's, you're having a bad day. Yeah. You've taken that to a whole new level with this podcast. Talk a little bit about that. So the podcast is, um, yeah, it's best to the nest. It is, um, Marjorie Punnett is my co-host. She was a longtime radio personality in the twin cities. And we worked together on my talk one Oh seven one for several years. And the idea really came from some marriage advice that she gave me when Jay and I were getting married. So gosh, we got married in 2013. So, you know, eight years ago. And she said, you know, one thing that Ian and I always tried to do, and she's like, we certainly weren't perfect, but this is what we tried to do. We because they both had public jobs was we weren't going to be our nicest, most fun, happy selves to everybody on the outside and then come home and just like dump all the garbage at home that you had to be your best self at home. And then everyone else got the overflow. And I kind of joked, Oh, it's like your best to the nest because I have chickens. I'm like, a, you know, I have backyard chickens and um, have had them for a long time and love it. And we kind of joked about it. And that was really the beginning of the podcast was that conversation in a commercial break when we were doing radio together. And uh, we didn't end up starting the podcast until years later, but we had, I'd always, I kind of like that just stuck with me. And I said, Marjorie, I think we should do something with this. Like, I think we should have this conversation. And um, so the whole focus is really, you know, it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's about trying to, as part of your daily practice, be your best self at home with the people that you love the most. And it's very easy. It doesn't matter if you're in a public job or not. It's very easy. You can always think about those people who were like, I don't know, you know, like they're so nice at work. They're so nice to everybody at the grocery store. And then their wife is like, oh, he's the worst, you know, because <laughs> he's got the script flipped on, you know, letting it all out at home where I, I would argue it's just like a more holistic, bigger picture view of self-care where it is whole home care. And imagine if we all could have like these filled up cups at home, how that would spill over into neighborhoods and communities. That's sort of painting an idealized picture, but I don't know if you can't look towards something really optimistic and beautiful, then what are we all here for? (laughs) Gotta look, gotta look towards things being better. Isn't that the truth? And at least 80% of the time, right? The 80, 20 rule, if you can at least hit those marks most of the time and be striving towards it. Right. I remember when our kids were little, my husband would say he could walk in the door and feel the energy of the house. Yes. We we talked about this years later and I would always try to say, okay, dad's coming home. We had a little more traditional bend about that. As you were talking about your negotiations with Jay, your husband, I also wonder if part of those negotiations come because of how he was raised and what Mm -hmm. he watched in his family of origin growing up with his parents. So this, I feel like your negotiations are probably great conversation too, for your best to the nest as well. Right. Yeah, it is. It's a constant negotiation. It's all the time. And it's, you know, I think it's just constant conversations and, um, and making sure that you're feeling, you know, I think for women, particularly, it's like, it's just feeling like you're being heard and, um, and like effort is being made. And then, and then you're feeling appreciated because otherwise you're just, 
it's tough. I mean, it is, it's, it is, it's just a tough, there's a lot that's expected. And so do you put more expectations (laughs) to Jay? I'm like, okay, here's what I, here, this is one, (laughs) my, my negotiation tactic that was so helpful that I learned from the book, how not to hate your husband after kids. It's a fantastic (laughs) book, by the way, (laughs) it was really great. And I read that book and she said that she interviewed an FBI negotiator who said, you never say like, do you want to do this? What you say to the person is, okay, so the laundry needs to be folded and the dishwasher needs to be um, unloaded. Which one do you want to do? That's, that's what it is. Which one do you want to do? Um, because then it's getting done. <laughs> it's not, and it's not like I'm coming down on you for not doing it and like mad at you for not doing it. It's these two things that need to get done. Which one do you want to do? And then you, you get everything done. I love that. I'm going to try to use that. It's been pretty helpful. Although he can't do the laundry. We were already determined that because he, <laughs> he, no, he, years ago, he put a sweater in the dryer and shrunk it up to nothing. And I said, never will you do laundry again, which was really stupid on my part, but, <laughs> but we have made it through 37 years and I'm sure we have a couple more left in us. That's pretty good. We had a couple of questions for you before we let you go, Lisa. Ooh. Um, tell her about your conversation with your friend where you had to describe me. <laughs> Um, yes, a girlfriend of mine asked me to describe Katie and this just came into my head and I said, well, Katie's like a Labrador. When you meet her, her tail wags, she smiles at everybody. She loves everybody. She has no judgment and she's like a Labrador and she goes, oh, so what are you? And I had to think about it and I thought, hmm. I'm a standard poodle. Now, keep in mind, I'm only 5'4". I'm really not a standard poodle, but how I view a standard poodle and the personality of a standard poodle, it just came into my head. I love it. I guess the question I have is if you were a dog, what, according to your personality and who you are, oh, yeah. what do you think you'd be? It's very funny that you say that because my dog, my first dog, Henry, was my baby. I got him when I was 22 and he went everywhere with me and I got him because his personality traits, just the personality traits of the breed resonated so deeply with what I think is so wonderful and what I maybe like to think that I am. And it's a West Highland white terrier and terriers are, can be very stubborn and also very loving. Terriers are fiercely independent And my favorite uh, description of them, of the West Highland White Terrier from the American Kennel Club website is that they have no shortage of (laughs) self-esteem. And when I read that, I was like, now that is a respectable quality. This is the dog for me. (laughs) I love that. I guess I would liken myself to that. Like can, you know, really can be, um, can be stubborn and difficult and a little bit independent sometimes I think to a fault but, but filled with confidence. So I, I guess that that's, that's what I'm going with. And they're very cute. So <laughs> they are very cute. They are super very cute. cute. <laughs> I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. That was okay. good. Last question. And then we're going to quickly jump to our nonprofit spotlight, which you have picked out cystic fibrosis foundation. Yes. We'll talk just a moment about that, but do you have something in your wardrobe, a piece of clothing, shoes, something that has been with you a while that you would consider a lucky piece. Sometimes you might just wear it because you just need to feel good. And you know, that's your go-to. Yeah. You know, um, gosh, 
I really, there is a floral dress that I have that I got at Ever Eve several years ago. And um, it is one of those dresses that it fits no matter what size I am. And it just looks great no matter what size. And I, it's a wrap dress. So Lisa, I'm sure you'll love that because it's like a classic wrap and it's a maxi, it's long. And it's just got this big, beautiful floral print and it's long sleeved. And I just always feel like pulled together in it. I always feel like um, I could wear it to something casual or something dressy. And any clothes that I feel like will fit me instead of me trying to fit it, to me, that's the best article of clothing. That was well said. Thanks. Beautifully said. <laughs> Thank you for spending this time with us. We, oh, um, so we really have enjoyed it. Let's quickly talk about cystic fibrosis cff.org dedicated to improving daily lives of people with cystic fibrosis. How did you get involved with them? Well, my cousin Jeffrey has cystic fibrosis. Um, He's a few years younger than me. And when, uh, when he was born, I remember, um, you know, as we got older learning about cystic fibrosis, I actually thought it was much more common than it was just because it was in our family. Um, And Jeffrey uh, at that time, when he was a kid had essentially an expected lifespan to live to be about 21. And that was it. And the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation has done such incredible work and advancements in treatments that um, Jeffrey, gosh, how old am I? Jeff's like 36. I always have to be like, how old am I? And then how old is he? 36. He's a father of two. He's married. He is um, the strongest person I know. He had a liver transplant. He is uh, managing, you know, breathing treatments and medications and all these things every day. And he is just an absolute joy. So it's really been a privilege for me to be able to do some work with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation to try to help raise money. And, you know, I think there are so many organizations doing such great work. And this one in particular is such an incredible example of like really targeted efforts in a targeted population of people dealing with something really difficult. And I've, I've just never met stronger people than the people that I've met with CF and it's an inspiration every day. So to my cousin, Jeffrey, who I adore and, and his beautiful family, that's why uh, I'm really happy to be able to spotlight the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. Oh, thank you for that. And thank you once again for saying yes and joining us. And what more can we say? You are perfection. Oh, thank you. This was a treat. It was a really nice way to spend my day. Thank you so much. And you have You're a wonderful welcome. smile. <laughs> Thanks. You know, we don't get to see that on the podcast, but hey, Twin Cities Live every day, 3 p.m. You can see we the smile. Yes. This was a very successful pumping session. <laughs> <laughs> Am I your only I podcast it. guest who's ever been pumping on the podcast? You, oh, are, the you are the first. You are the and first. Maybe, and maybe the only ever. Listen, you got you to gotta do what you got to do. I love it. I love it. Blessings to you, Elizabeth. Thank you so much. Thanks. I just feel lighter and airier having talked to Elizabeth. She was a breath of fresh air. The way she talked about certain things that are happening to many women today. I just really enjoyed listening to her. She was wonderful. I liked the fact that Elizabeth talked about that she's using resources and not thinking she can do everything herself. And so I'm hoping that other women can realize that that's okay. She has a lot of balls that she's juggling and managing. And 
it'll be fun to see as her kids grow up and she shares that with all of us as well. So again, thanks to Elizabeth Reese from Twin Cities Live and Best to the Nest podcast. And, and if you want to get a hold of us, go to theviewinyourmirror.com, get more information on our podcast. If you want to get a hold of Lisa, Lisa at wardrobeconsulting.net. And I am Katie at katieharms.com. We thank you so much for joining us. And remember, put a smile on your face when you look in that view in your mirror and your day will be all the brighter. 